Well, we're in this uh, series that we started a couple of weeks ago, and it is called Simple, because it seems to me the church over time has had a tendency to make things rather complicated when Jesus' intention was that it would be very simple. Now, in the first week, we saw Jesus as he introduced himself to a guy that in his culture would have been considered a bad person. But Jesus offered him a very simple invitation. Jesus said, come follow me. And that's exactly what this guy did. He followed Jesus. Matthew began to follow. Now, Jesus didn't say to Matthew, I, I want you, here's a list of all the things that you've done wrong in life, and here's a list of all the things that you need to change. Jesus just asked him to do what he knew that Matthew could do, and he said to him, come and follow me. Jesus' initial invitation has been offered to all of us as well, to simply follow. Now, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means that I begin to investigate who Jesus really is. That I want to learn more about Him. That I read Jesus' story in the Bible. That I ask a lot of questions. That I spend time with other people who are Christ followers already. That I come here and I listen and investigate. I simply want to learn more about Jesus. Then in week two, we talked about believe. And we said that as people begin to follow Jesus, at some point they get close to Him and this thing happens where they realize, I believe. I believe in Jesus. Not just that what He says is true, but I believe that Jesus really is who He claims to be, that He genuinely is the Son of God. And that when I believe and place my trust in Him, we discovered we can have a right standing with God. Now we can't do anything to earn that. We don't deserve it. It isn't about anything that we do or don't do. It is a gift that comes to us as a result of what Jesus has already done when He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, for my sin, for your sin. And when I believe and place my trust in Jesus, then I can have that right standing. It is a simple pattern. Follow, believe, And today I want to look at the third part of this. This word that we're going to talk about today is often very misunderstood. It has been misused. A lot of times we have gotten it out of order, but the word is simply obey. And the Bible talks about Jesus demonstrated that at some point after we follow and we believe, there is this third step about obey. To obey Jesus. Now, it's an interesting word that we're going to talk about today. And over time, as Christianity began to really spread and catch on like wildfire, you know why that happened? Because people began to order their lives around Jesus' teaching. You see, this amazing thing happened in the New Testament, and it's the pattern throughout all of the Bible. People who who began to follow Jesus and then reached that moment where they believed, there was also this moment, you know where what they began to do? They began to place their trust in the fact that God must have my best interest in mind. And so I'm actually going to do what Jesus says. And they began to reorganize their lives totally around the teachings of Jesus. They handled their money differently. They became much more generous with it. They did family differently. Their attitudes towards other people changed. They were more caring. You know what? In fact, they even began to do good things for their enemies. And over time, as I said, Christianity caught on and it spread like wildfire, not because of famous speakers or or great public ministries. No, it was because of the lifestyles of people who followed and believed and began to do 
what Jesus says. So today I want to kind of explore this word obey in really two parts. And both of these parts come from a, a statement, really a command that Jesus makes right at the end of his ministry. In fact, it's found in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're going to look at just a couple of verses. Now, Matthew 28, where we read this, realize Jesus has already died on the cross, been buried in the tomb for three days. He has come back to life. He has appeared to hundreds of his followers. He's had time to share with them about several things. But now he is about to go to heaven. Literally, he is going to ascend from earth to heaven. And right before he goes, these are Jesus' final words. So they they must carry some importance to him. If in that last moment, these are the things that Jesus said, they must have been important to him. He says this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He's already talked about the fact that he has authority, that authority both in heaven and on earth. And then he says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. In other words, go and you tell my story and you help people to follow the simple pattern that I've given. You keep extending my invitation to people to follow and to believe and then ultimately to obey. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And what's the first thing he says to do? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, one of these commands. One of the things that people ought to do after they follow and believe and they're ready to obey, one of the things they ought to do is they ought to be baptized. They ought to demonstrate their obedience by being baptized. People who come to the point where they say, you know what, I am ready to place my trust in Jesus. I understand that it's not because of anything that I have done that I deserve to have a right standing with God. I can't earn it. It is totally a gift that comes from God through Jesus' death on the cross. When they get to that point, Jesus says they ought to demonstrate their obedience by being baptized. Now, you know, if you think about it, the whole idea of baptism is kind of a a strange occurrence, isn't it? The thought of somebody standing in a pool of water and pushing somebody else down into the water and lifting them back up. I mean, if you just take away all the symbols of that that you might know about from your background and just think of that act in itself, it's kind of a strange thing that Jesus asks us to do, isn't it? I think probably every pastor has some funny stories about baptisms. I have a couple. I'll share only one of them. I uh, was doing a baptism one time, kind of a private ceremony for somebody, and um, Uh, At the church that I was at at the time, we had a baptismal pool and we wore waders, fishing waders, so that we didn't get wet when we were doing it, It quicker changing, all that kind of stuff. So I had these waders on and uh, we got into the water and for some reason somebody made a comment about the level of the water. And so I began to tell them, well, the level of the water in this other baptistry that I've used before was deeper and not thinking what I was really doing, I, I decided I would demonstrate how deep the water was in the other baptistry. And so I bent down a little bit. And the water just flooded in to my waders. Well, I tell you what, I saw on video the funniest thing I've ever seen for a baptism. You have to see it. The video quality is not great, but uh, you will enjoy what happens here.
You know, in a way, there's a lot of funny things. And there are other, all kinds of funny stories I've heard. And some people would look at baptism and go, that's a rather odd occurrence. But you know what? When you really begin to understand why Jesus would ask people who have followed and believed and are ready to obey to be baptized, when you understand the picture of what really happens there, it is also an incredibly beautiful thing. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He makes it very clear his expectation about this. He says, whoever believes and is baptized. He automatically links those two things together. If you believe, Jesus says, in essence, one of the things you're going to do out of obedience, if you really believe, is you're going to be baptized. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe, and he doesn't even mention baptism here, because if you don't get to the point where you believe and are ready to place your trust in Jesus, then Baptism is of no significance to you. He says, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. He stresses the importance here of this act of baptism. Now, why did Jesus ask us to be baptized? For one thing, there is incredible symbolism in the act of baptism. When someone is baptized, they are buried in the water and they rise again. In the same way that Jesus lived And then He died to pay the penalty for our sins. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, He came back to life. And when someone is baptized, it is symbolic of saying, you know what? This life that I've been living without Jesus, I'm going to die to that. And it is going to be buried. And in that water, in a sense, my sins are being washed away. And I am rising to walk in this new life, in this new relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul paints another kind of picture for us in Galatians chapter 3. He says, you are all sons of God. You're all followers. Through how? Through faith in Christ Jesus by believing in Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. He says that in that act of obedience and baptism, in a sense we are putting on Jesus Christ like brand new clothing. Brand new garments, free of sin in that new right-standing relationship with God. It is an incredibly beautiful act. The act of baptism historically goes back even to the time of the, the Jews and the Gentiles, back in, in uh, even prior to the beginning of the New Testament. And basically the story was there if somebody was a Gentile and they decided they wanted to become a, a Jew by faith, there was this act of being immersed into water that they took part in. It says a kind of a public declaration to everybody in their community that I'm leaving behind being a Gentile and I am publicly declaring that I am following the faith of the Jews. You know, for Jesus' early followers, when He asked them to be baptized, He was asking a lot of them. Because there were a lot of people in Jesus' day who followed and began to believe, but at that point they wanted to keep it kind of quiet because in their culture, to step out and say, I am a follower of Jesus, I am a follower of Jesus' way, meant that sometimes they would be kind of ostracized from their family. They might lose their place in their business. And Jesus said, though, you know what? If I was willing to go to the cross for you, you should be willing to publicly admit that you are willing to follow me. And so he said, one of the ways that we publicly declare that we are not ashamed to follow Jesus is through baptism. It is a public declaration that I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ and that I have accepted His gift of salvation And I am accepting this incredible thing of being able to have a right standing with God through Jesus. 
We're going to offer the chance later today to be baptized. And I know there are some of you in this room who have followed along for, for maybe for years. And you reach that point where you said, you know what, I, I believe. I believe Jesus really is uniquely the Son of God. But you have never demonstrated that obedience by being publicly baptized. And so today, after our second service, we're going to go to a nearby pool and offer people the opportunity to be baptized. Now, you guys have the advantage if you came this morning and you thought, you know, I really wasn't planning on that, but I need to do that. You have time when we're done here to go home, grab your swimsuit and a t-shirt and a towel, and you come back and following that second service about, we'll get done about noon, if you'll just meet right down here in the front of this auditorium and say to us, you know what, I want you to baptize us. We'll make our way over to a nearby pool and do those baptisms. Jesus asked us, He commanded us, that when we get to the point that we say, I believe, one of our first acts of obedience should be to publicly declare our faith in Him by being baptized. It is something to take joy in and be excited about. It's something that you ought to be eager to do. That you ought to celebrate in. Well, there's a second thing that Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He says not only does He talk about obedience and baptism, He says in verse 20, "...and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." He says, I want to teach you to obey and do the things that I have been teaching here on earth. It's very simple. Follow, believe, and obey. But unfortunately, somewhere in history, it seems like we have at times gotten those out of order. I don't know about you, but maybe your experience growing up or your first experiences at church were more like this. You showed up on that first day and they said, good to see you, now obey. I don't know your name, but you need to obey. I don't know anything about you, but it's important that you obey, that you do all the right things. In fact, if you can't obey, then you probably shouldn't be here. Go away until you can come back and obey. But that wasn't the pattern of the Bible. In fact, if you go back even into the Old Testament, you don't see that pattern where God hands out laws without first giving people the opportunity to follow and believe. Even with the Ten Commandments. You know, that wonderful list of things that God asked the Israelites to do and He asked us to do as well. The Ten Commandments. You know, think about the history of those being given. They were given to the Israelites, a group of people that had years earlier been in captivity in Egypt. And while they were in captivity, God began to make plans to make a way for them to get out of captivity. He sent Moses. And then God did all those amazing plagues, you know, the, the, the locusts and the flies and the water that became blood, all these incredible things. And then God leads them out of captivity. He parts the Red Sea for them. They walk across on dry land. He continues to lead them with a, a cloud in the sky. Incredible things. And after weeks and months of following and weeks of months of believing, then God gives them this list of Ten Commandments, things they are asked to obey. And when He gives them, they give them to a group of people who would have said, we believe. We believe God cares about us. We believe that He exists. We believe that God has our best interest in mind. And God says to them, you know what, I, I want to tell you how to live your life. I want to tell you how to live your life not so you can earn my love. I want to tell you how to live your life because I love you. I want to tell you how to live your life because I am the author of life. And under those kinds of environments, 
God says, I, here's these commandments. You follow them. Now, I want to point you this morning to a story that Jesus tells. He tells it after He has been doing, giving one of His most famous teachings, probably one of His most difficult teachings. And at the end of this teaching, He begins to share with them in the right context why it is they ought to consider not just following and believing, but they ought to also obey His teachings. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn there and look at verse 24. Let me just tell you, too, it it really comes down to this. This parable teaches us that it is our practical obedience of what Jesus says that really makes all of the difference in our lives. Following is great. Believing is great. But if you really want to see a difference in your life, it really comes down to you organizing your life around these teachings of Jesus and doing what He says. So here's the background on on this verse in Matthew 7. Jesus has been teaching for quite a bit of time. And as He's been teaching, He's been giving them some really different ways, different perspectives about life. He he has said to them amidst this teaching, you need to forgive people all the time. They question him about that. How much do you want us to forgive people? And Jesus said, you need to forgive people over and over again, no matter how badly they've wronged you. He told them in this teaching, you know what? When somebody hurts you, you need to turn the other cheek. Don't retaliate. Don't seek revenge. Turn the other cheek. He has said to them in this teaching, if you lust, if you have lustful thoughts in your mind, it's the same as committing adultery. Jesus has told them that they ought to be the, the first to treat people the way they want to be treated. He's told them some really difficult things. And then, as He wraps that up, He says this to them in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, Therefore, or kind of as a result of all of this teaching that I've been giving you, therefore, everyone who hears these words of Mine, all the stuff I've been teaching, and puts them into practice, begins to do what I've said to do, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He's like the person who goes out and he digs down until he finds that solid foundation for his house. And then he begins to build the structure on it. Jesus says, everybody who leaves here today and does what I have taught them is smart. Everybody who leaves here today and does what I have said is wise. Everybody who leaves here today and begins to organize their life around my teaching is just demonstrating common sense. Then he says this in verse 25. He says, the rain came down. And if you were a, if you grew up in church, there's a song probably that immediately comes to your mind as you hear this verse, right? The rain came down and the floods came up. I know you can't recognize it from my singing, but... The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. It's a storm. It's part of life. Stuff happens. Life is difficult. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. We shouldn't be surprised. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus says, you know what? As life rolls along, you're going to hit some bumps financially, relationally, professionally. And if you haven't built your life on My teachings, When the storm comes, it's going to be difficult. But if you have laid the strong foundation of organizing and prioritizing your life around my teachings, then when the the inevitable storms come, your life will be able to weather it. You'll make it through. Not that it won't 
be difficult. It will be. But if you have built your life by doing what I have told you to do, you'll weather the storm. But He warns this in the next verse, verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of Mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And we know what happens to sand in a storm, don't we? The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house. Now, I like the fact that it is the same storm. Whatever foundation we choose to build our life on, whether we choose to to build it on the foundation of putting Jesus' teachings to work in our life or we choose to ignore the teaching of Jesus, it's the same storm that comes along. And look what happens. And it fell with a great crash. Jesus says, that's fine. If you want to ignore My teachings, that's fine. But here's what's going to happen. When the storm comes along, when difficulty comes along, your house is going to fall flat because you haven't laid the strong foundation of organizing your life around what I've asked you to do. I like what happens then in verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching. They were like, that that's great stuff. Here's why they were amazed. Because He taught as one who had authority. You see, there was something about His words something about His presence that made them think, you know, as strange as I may look, (laughs) as weird as it may seem in my culture, as difficult as it may be for me to do some of these things, if I really trust that God is who He says He is and that God has my best interest in mind, then I probably ought to do what Jesus asked me to do. I ought to probably organized and wrapped my life around what Jesus taught me to do. And you know what? There were a group of people who heard those words that day. People who probably had been following. A lot of them had gotten to the point where they believed. And on this day, as they heard Jesus say this, they said, you know what? I'm going to do what He says. And they wrapped their lifestyle around Jesus' teaching and they turned the world upside down. Because not only did they follow and believe, but they did what Jesus said. It is a very, very simple pattern. And I am so sorry that at times the church has been guilty of making it seem so difficult. It really is all about taking that first step of saying, I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to get close enough that I can find out what He's really all about. And I'm pretty confident somewhere along the way you'll begin to believe. You'll take that step to say, I am going to place my trust in Him. And then after we've done that, Jesus says, would you then obey Me? Would you obey Me by taking that public step of declaring your faith in Me by being baptized? And would you obey by doing the things that I've taught you to do? That's the pattern. It's that simple. Would you pray with me? God, I thank You that it is so simple, so clear, so easy for us. God, forgive us that at times we have made it seem so difficult. And God, I pray for people in this room this morning, God, who need to take the next step. Maybe they've been following 
And God, they're reaching that point where it's time for them to admit, you know what, I, I believe. And Father, for many in this room, it's time for them to say, you know what, I am going to absolutely obey. And God, I know it will make all the difference in their lives when they do. Help them, God, to take the next steps. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.